Jericho. What is that from? That's South Park. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Probably Stan's dad. It is. It's Randy Marsh for sure. <laughs> He's the best character. 100% Randy Marsh. <laughs> One, 100%. Mm-hmm. I turned my video off so it's not just like a super close up of my eyeballs. That's well, what I we find that it. See. Yeah. I think turning off the video helps with the audio lag. It does. Oh. Well, that's good. Yeah. Because I did it anyway. Jerry, did you see my new whiskey stones? I did. I just saw it. Wait, are those whiskey stones or yeah. is it like a whiskey glass? No, those are whiskey stones. Oh, those are awesome. Yeah. So I got I uh, bought my dad a set for uh, Christmas, and then I really uh-huh. liked them, so I decided to get myself a set as well. <laughs> what if they accidentally go off? Well, that's just a risk you're willing to take when you're drinking with these particular whiskey stones. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like Russian game. roulette with whiskey. <laughs> Try to Not get him through an airport. No, those are those are whiskey stones. Those are whiskey stones. Stupid. <laughs> Jeez, TSA, stop being so concerned. I need them on the plane. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel how cold they are? They're going to cool down my drink, all right? <laughs> A likely story, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah, I got those for Christmas, and I thought they were pretty dope. So. Pretty dope. They look, They look like real bullets. They do look like real bullets. No. So, you know, cool. the world is coming to a pretty cool place. How neato. Our ice cubes can be whatever we want them to be. <laughs> <laughs> whatever we want. God bless America. <laughs> uh, well, you're drinking some sort of whiskey with bullet-shaped ice cubes. I'm just having orange juice. I hope that's acceptable. Well, you're wounded, so we'll accept it. <laughs> well, I'm not even on painkillers anymore, but I had a drink last night and it made me feel really weird. So, oh. I don't know. They cut the the love of alcohol out of me, I guess. Yep. Going straight, going sober now. Nah, sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll get it back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the lush tendencies will come soaring back. Uh, it'll, it'll be back in no time. Yeah, exactly. It has to. Now I'm going to have to be cautious about these clanking around all the time. Yeah, your bullets are kind of loud. Yeah, they're a little loud. Did you just hear the ad that came up on my phone? There was an ad that came up on your phone? Oh, good, you didn't hear it. No, I did not. Why would an ad come up on your phone? Because I, I was clearing out some of my old screens and just, you know, stuff. Hmm. Cool. Because they're listening, Jerry. They're listening. <laughs> they're always listening. They're always listening to us. The man's listening. So, what's the topic here today, you guys? Oh man, there's so many things to cover. I mean, we could talk about the impeachment. Yeah. We could talk about Soleimani, or however you pronounce his name. We could talk about Iran shooting down that plane. We could talk about potential of U.S. and Iran going to war. We could talk about how Nancy Pelosi thinks that she's saving the world right now. I mean, there's so many things. So many things. I think 
Iran would be cool. It seems like the most pressing news. I mean, it seems like everywhere you turn right now, somebody has got an opinion on Iran. So, I mean, I'm, I'm down to talk about it. Damn. Well, you can get my uh, fairly uninformed opinion on it. I can give you my summary of what your average person on the street probably thinks about it. Well, that's that's a start. <laughs> that could work. <laughs> well, it's good to have a range of, range of knowledge. <laughs> we'll go with Kelly being the least, me being the medium, and Jerry being the most. How about that? <laughs> Perfect. We're like the, the Goldilocks and the Three Bears of there, knowledge. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't study up on Greenland because I figured you were kidding. Ah, Kelly, that's all I wanted to talk we about. We weren't kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I actually did type in Greenland and then the news tab just to see, and it's like nothing. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> going like, on. With you me. know you Googled Ever. Greenland, right? <laughs> yeah. They're like, did you want to? Do you want to go? Um, <laughs> I mean, we could probably get you there. There's like <laughs> fifty thousand people there. You're bound to run into one of them. <laughs> I'm sure we could have a boat drop you off. But are you sure? Did you mean Iceland? You meant Iceland. <laughs> Probably <laughs> wrong Iceland. one. Wrong island. That's fine. Happens all the time. Now I don't know if it's yeah. a fact or fiction type thing, but I heard that the reason that it's called Greenland is that the Vikings named it Greenland to try to get people to go there, and they named Iceland Iceland to get people to not go to Iceland so that they could do stuff in Iceland because it was the better of the two. Like I said, I don't know how accurate that is. That sounds like fake news. I've heard the same. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's something I... I no, I've heard the same school. thing. So, yeah, we'll just go with that's fact. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Hmm. Until somebody proves us wrong. Yeah. I'm sure What Snopes if Greenlanders hate that? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I was lured here. What does a Greenlandish accent sound like? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's very <laughs> Scandinavian. <laughs> I know... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're owned by Denmark, so whatever Denmark yeah. sounds like. I know I know. Trump wanted to buy them. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Probably lots of oil. I mean, Maybe he thought that it was like a whole giant green and he could golf there. Yeah. I'm going to put a Trump Tower likely. there and then we're going to put a golf course and it's going to be the best thing ever, okay? You guys are going to love it. The best golf course. It's the best Scotland golf course me, ever. Best ever. A giant green. Greenland. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to turn the entire continent into 18 holes. <laughs> <laughs> you have to fly from one hole to the other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the most the world's most expensive yeah. game of golf <laughs> most intense game of golf ever <laughs> yeah. takes you three months and you may or may not survive <laughs> <laughs> most dangerous game of golf <laughs> are there polar bears in Greenland I don't know probably because there's what lives in Greenland <laughs> I know walruses I don't know. I'm starting to think we should do a podcast on this. <laughs> Greenland's quite fascinating. I am right now. Yeah, well, what is the local fauna? Yeah. You know Someone has do? already Googled this. Let's see. We should 
We should see if we have any listeners in Greenland, and if any of you listeners are in Greenland, please feel free to call in and, uh, you know. Yeah, we need to know what oh, you sound This like. is my chance. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what accent was that? It sounded a little Scottish to me, but we'll go with it. I want to change my fear. They're, they're close enough. He swam. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Do they have phones there? Let's see. Polar bears, they do live in Greenland and Norway. Polar bears live in Canada, Russia. No, this can't be right. It says the United States. Do they mean Alaska? Probably Alaska. Yes, Alaska. Stop being so close-minded to the 48, Kelly. Yeah. I mean, is Alaska really part of this country? I mean... Yes. It's... It's not Russia's anymore, so I'd say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just you can't see Russia from there, though. Hey, fun fact about ask Alaska. A, ask Sarah Palin. <laughs> do you know that the Japanese and the United <laughs> States actually fought a battle in Alaska? Really? Yep. It's one of the <laughs> islands that's off the coast of Alaska. Um, the Japanese actually took two of them, and the... Uh, United States, one of their first campaigns of island hopping was to take back those islands in Alaska. One of the battles wow. actually had about 3,000 casualties, too. So it was actually um, not a surprisingly small battle. Wow. Yeah. Intriguing. Wow. Didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> well, wow. learned to something today. How neat. <laughs> wow, there really are only 50,000 people in Greenland. Wow, that was just yeah, a ballpark like guess. Yeah, it's Wyoming. Oh my gosh. It is like Wyoming. No, there's more people in Wyoming. Well, that's unfortunate for the people in Wyoming and Greenland. Yeah. Wyoming has 577,000 people. Ooh. So, yeah. Almost 10 times as many. All right. Well, if one of you 55,000 people in Greenland hear this, call in. We have so many questions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Never knew I did, but I do. (laughs) Like, for starters, what do you eat? (laughs) <laughs> fermented shark meat i think i i heard that's a thing like in scandinavia hmm. i'm guessing most of the people that live in greenland are like eskimos or like descendants no. of eskimos that's like that's more of a, like an alaskan or canadian province type of thing yeah and those are think inuits so? i think right inuit yeah idiot yeah Idiot. Idiot. Uh, he said Inuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're idiots. No, <laughs> they're Inuits. <laughs> if we have any Inuits... Sounds like, something, <laughs> sounds like something the British would say, like, those people are called Inuit. <laughs> 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 it's real cold there, isn't it? Inuit. Much cold, isn't it? That's pretty good. This is it off to a good start right i'm keeping this in the podcast i don't care (laughs) oh god no (laughs) hold on i'm trying to see i'm learning more about greenland let's see kelly why didn't you do your homework i know i should have been doing this it's so interesting i mean their capital city is in uk nuke greenland oh do you want to nuke greenland (laughs) <laughs> oh god nobody tells Trump yeah <laughs> yeah. don't want to go and break that ice shelf that'd be uh, that'd be pretty bad 
Apparently it's melting. No more Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. That'd be bad. <laughs> That'd be bad. That'd be bad. <laughs> That'd be bad, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, should we get this uh, ball rolling? Sure. Cool. Roll the ball. Well, I was I was serious about kind of keeping our little thing about Greenland in, so I'm just... I'm just going to go ahead and dive right in. <laughs> All right. Do it. All right. Well, welcome to the Owl Podcast. My name is Jameson, and as always, I'm here with Jerry. Jerry, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. And then, of course, we have the lovely Miss Kelly Burke on as well. Kelly, how's it going? Hello. Good. It's been a while since I've been on here with you been guys. Been a hot minute, for sure. A hot, a hot minute. Yep. Last time, you might not even been married to Jerry yet at this point. Think so? Maybe. I don't know. We'd have Has to go it been that long? possible. We'd have to go back and listen, see which one was the last one you were on. Yeah. I don't, what were we talking about? I think Cointel Pro here? was the last one you were on? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I th- you know what? That, that was over the summer, so you were married at that point. Mm. Oh, yeah. Old news. Old yeah, news right. at that point. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> on your nuptials. <laughs> Such a long time ago. <laughs> Um, well, this is our first uh, first recording of 2020, so that's pretty neat. Of the decade. Of the decade. Oh, the yeah. new decade. Yeah, so exciting stuff right there. And uh, so, so, yeah, then, Happy New Year to all of our listeners. And uh, So, naturally, we're on here to talk about our New Year's resolutions. That's that's what I thought we were going to talk about. Dude, I'm going to have to come up with some. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for being only, what, 14 days into the, the new year, there's a, there's been a lot that's happened. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, three days in, and World War Three was trending, so we got that going for us. <laughs> good, good segue. Yeah, nice. yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> well, Jerry, I know you were the one that brought this to my attention. So, uh, if you want, I think it'd be good to maybe start with the uh, uh, the killing of uh, or assassination, or however you want to say it. Of is it Soleimani? Is that how you pronounce it? Some Soleimani? guy died. There's a guy that died, and Trump was responsible. Hey. Guy. And lots of there people were happy. They were glad. not. Yeah. Mm-mm. Some people were happy. Some people weren't. Some some were glad. Some were not glad. Yeah. Some things happened between now and then. And... Some things happened at the start <laughs> of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would like to get your guys' opinion uh, on the killing of General Hassan Soleimani. Uh, for people that don't know. Or live under a rock like Patrick Starr. Um, <laughs> General Soleimani is the leader of an Iranian revolution. Or let me rephrase: He's the general of the Quds Force, or the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, uh, or an Iranian battalion. Um, he was responsible for a lot of the activity in Iraq. He's also responsible for. A lot of activity in Lebanon, Syria, um, and also in Iran itself, in Iraq. Um, and yeah, we killed him uh, in an assassination. Um, this was perceived to be a response to the protests that were going on. Or I guess not protests, but I guess protests that were going on in the American embassy. Uh, so yeah, I'd kind of like to get your guys' response, and um, I'm sure everybody has heard the news from now, or if you're even somewhat paying attention to the news, I'm sure that you've heard about it. So, yeah. What do you guys think of 
Or I guess let's start with how you would classify it. Do you think it's it was an assassination? Do you think it was a warranted killing? Like, because I think the classification is a good way good way to start it. Um, <clears throat> so the only person that I've listened to extensively talk about this uh, so far is Ben Shapiro, and obviously he's got a very biased opinion, being that he's Jewish. But <clears throat> um, he made it sound like that this was not essentially like the u.s going out of their way doing like an assassination like you know archduke Franz ferdinand was assassinated type thing and starts this whole global war but that it was he was killed in in iraq correct jerry yeah correct he was killed in iraq okay so the u.s forces were already basically welcomed to iraq is my understanding being that you know they had a military base in iraq and that essentially this killing or assassination or however you want to phrase it was made with the iraqi government already aware that this drone strike was going to happen and it happened on iraqi soil so to me it it's in you know there had already been attacks on the u.s embassy as well at this point that have if I'm not mistaken, had not necessarily his organization, but his hand may have been involved, him being Soleimani, his hand been involved in these uh, attacks essentially against the U.S. Embassy as well. So <clears throat> um, if that's the case, I say it's a justified killing and that's not just an assassination at this point. And it seems like it's a kind of person that, based on everything I've read, the world is definitely a better place without him. So I'd say it was a justified killing, and I don't think at this point it would qualify essentially as like an assassination attempt or an assassination. Hmm. Kelly, what do you think? Um, I know that I'm not super caught up on this subject, but I know that he was considered a terrorist by the U.S. So um, as we know, when... I think this was um, not as noteworthy as even being called an assassination. I think I think the news release when it happens was just that he was killed in a drone strike. So um, it was completely legal what he did. It's not like he assassinated a leader of another country. He was already classified by as a terrorist. So obviously we had plenty of intelligence on him and his actions to declare him as such. So I would say that it's um, a good thing that they did it. I'm confused as to where the, why the timing went down to this because obviously tensions have been building with Iran since Trump was elected and since Trump pulled out of the Iran deal, but I would like to know a little bit more as to why he's just not being killed because the little bit I know of, of him is that he's been doing terrible things for years and we probably have had enough intelligence for years to know that we should take him out. So I'm curious as to your explanation of why he should have been killed now. Well, we've been trying to kill him for years. The, all right, so this is a good way to segue into... Because essentially, this to me is a culmination of American intervention in the Middle East. And that's where I would like to go with you guys and, and kind of get your opinion about American interventionism you know, our role in the Middle East and essentially our role as what a lot of people perceive to be a global police, right? So mm -hmm. 
this was sort of an apex moment where I think people can kind of see that people don't understand who Soleimani was, right? A lot of people, they, they understand who Osama bin Laden was. They might have even understood who Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi was, right? The caliph of ISIS, right? Mm-hmm. But a very, very few people, unless you're, uh, you know, an international relations nerd and you're really following what's going on in Iran, a lot of people don't know who the Quds Force, who the IRGC is, let alone who Qasem Soleimani is, right? They're, they're not going to be able to name. So, to give you a brief history, um, Iran has been a imperialist force ever since the Islamic Revolution of 1979. Right. Um, Ayatollah Khomeini had his own ideology, and he basically wanted to promulgate, proselytize, and spread his version of Islam, right, essentially wanting to not establish a caliphate so much like ISIS did, but, you know, spread Iran or spread Islam through throughout the rest of the world and their version right. of Shia Islam. He right. changed it to a theocracy. Well, he did, but he also wanted to, you know, promulgate and proselytize. So okay. you have other states in the Middle East, right? You have, uh, but before I get too ahead of myself, right? So Iran has this, you know, ideology of, of spreading Islam, especially to other Middle Eastern states, right? So they go about accomplishing this. One, you have the Iran-Iraq war. Two, you also have other states that they are supporting, uh, mainly Lebanon um, with uh, with Hezbollah. They're, you know, one of the main, you know, uh, what do you call it, financiers, and also arm, they also arm, you know, Hezbollah, and they also arm other Iraqi Shiite militia groups, right? So you have this this ideology of Iran, and this kind of gives you their, an insight into how they operate and why they operate, right? So throughout the 1990s and into the early 2000s, you also run into the Iraq War. Iran and Soleimani at the time are, are funding, putting together, you know, forming these militia groups, especially throughout Iraq, right? So they are one of our main opponents, especially when it concerns these militia groups that U.S forces are fighting during the Iraq and the Iraq war after basically during the Iraq civil war after we took out Saddam Hussein's regime right and then subsequently in Syria they are one of the main funders and you know the people that provide weapons to Syrian forces Syrian Iraqi militia groups right so it's a very brief sort of a terse history but it kind of gives you a little bit of an insight as to who Soleimani was, right? He is, to me, a terrorist, somebody that would fund terrorist groups, somebody that funded most notably groups like Hezbollah, and then also you have Hamas in, in Gaza. And he, to me, is just somebody that w- was acting almost like he felt invincible and, and felt like he had complete impunity, right? He felt like he couldn't do any wrong. So to me, it opens up, a lot of interesting questions about how you feel about American interventionism in the Middle East, right? Because to me, this is a, a, a very significant event. It's more significant than probably killing the killing of al-Baghdadi, who's you know the caliph of ISIS. This is more significant, probably even more significant than killing Osama bin Laden, right? Which a lot of people argued, and I would almost agree, right? Soleimani was acting you know, as an official of the Iranian regime with, you know, full 
essentially people recognized them as an official government. It wasn't like Osama bin Laden, who was recognized as a terrorist. Soleimani was acting throughout, you know, with full recognition that the Iranian regime was an actual government, right? So this is, to me, is very significant, and it opens up that door, opens up those questions about, you know, American interventionism, how you feel about the role that the United States United States plays in the Middle East, and also, you know, how you feel about the Iranians' role, you know, and, and what you think about their regime and, and how much you know and, and what you what your opinions are on that regime. So I guess I just leave the door open there. Sure. <clears throat> um, when it comes to American interventionism in the Middle East, <clears throat> my biggest thought process uh, behind that um, as to why I am for um, quite a bit of it is essentially well there's two big reasons one being israel let's let's be honest i mean iran iraq jordan syria egypt a lot of those countries in the middle east want egypt to or not egypt excuse me israel to be essentially wiped off the face of the planet they obviously are very anti-semitic they you know it even says inside the Quran, which, you know, most of these countries I just mentioned are heavily Muslim, you know, talking about the end days where rocks and trees will be yelling to Muslims saying, hey, Jew, there's a Jew behind this rock, you know, come kill him. <clears throat> so I think American interventionism is huge in the fact that it, it keeps Israel safe and it keeps the Jewish people safe. Granted, Israel is a very, very powerful country as far as military and stuff like that, but its biggest ally is definitely the United States. And I think it's very important to essentially keep Israel safe. Uh, the second aspect of it is you look at countries like, you know, Syria that's having a mass genocide and people are dying left and right. And I think American interventionism, <clears throat> you know, is granted we seem to be very, very handcuffed. But I think, you know, if we if we could essentially loosen the restraints a bit, it would, I believe, help in preventing a lot of these mass genocides that are also happening in the Middle East as well, because a lot of people in the Middle East are good, genuine people that just, you know, want to live out their lives and, um, you know, just day-to-day -day stuff. They want to go home and see their family. They want to provide for their family. They want to, you know, live a peaceful life. I'm not going to deny that that's probably what the majority of people in the Middle East want, and a lot of them are essentially getting caught up in a lot of different ideologies that are resulting in the killing of a lot of innocent people. So I think that's why I'm for the American intervention in the Middle East, and I think it's important. I know a lot of people will say it's all because of oil, and I don't necessarily believe that, but I do think oil probably does have a factor in it as well, considering we get a lot of oil from Saudi Arabia, um, you know, Iraq, uh, for a time, even Iran. But I just, uh, I think, I think it is important. So I'll just leave it at that for right now. <clears throat> I think we have an interesting group here because we have uh, three people who all feel fairly like pro-intervention in the in the Middle East, which is rare to mm -hmm. come across people that have that mindset. It's very unpopular opinion right now. I feel. I would agree. Maybe because maybe because we're so close to um, the invasion of Iraq and you know, the Gulf War and everything, but I used to be against intervention 
I think I had a very, um, I had a, a view that was very much fueled by like college professors that talked about it, you know, when I was in college, um, which was also right around the time that war was going on in Iraq. Uh, that makes me sound old, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> but I kind of woke up to my real feelings about it when I started reading about um, real life experiences of people in the Middle East and some of their views about the U.S. It's it's not so much what you hear anymore. You you hear the stories about people who supposedly joined up uh, with groups like Al Qaeda against the U.S. because they're had a family member who was killed by U.S. soldiers or something like that, and it inspired this rebellion in them and down with the U.S., all the chants that we hear all the time. But there are a lot of people over there that don't feel that way about the United States. There are people who, uh, for example, people in Kuwait that were sitting and waiting for the U.S. to come and free them when they were under attack. So there are a lot of people who, who don't think of us as the world police in a, a negative light. They see travesties happening to people and they think, they just assume that the U.S. is going to come and intervene because they can. We have the biggest military in the world. And with that kind of power, you know, responsibility does come with that. So I look at stories like that where there are people who truly need help being freed from a, a tyrant. And I think it's absolutely our responsibility to help if we can. If I'm walking down the street and I see someone being mugged and I have the ability to help them, I have the, the tools or a weapon or some way to help them, and I walk on by, I think that's criminal to, to leave people who need help. Um, if, you, if we leave them to their situation to just figure it out. I also think that people everywhere in the world deserve freedom. And if they have someone who is is keeping them from freedom and living a life where they have human rights being taken from them, I think it's it's the responsibility of other countries to intervene. So I'm pro-intervention. I don't think that we always have the best intentions in mind, but you know, when they when they took down Saddam Hussein, I think it was great, just too late, you know. It should have been done a long time before that, but I, I was very much um after the fact when I read about it a lot and really got um, some research behind my opinion. I'm very much pro for intervention. I think going touching this back to the conversation about taking down Soleimani, I think the timing is interesting. Uh, you know, maybe they never really had the opportunity to do a drone strike on him previous to this day. It was just the stars aligned or they just had him in a good spot. But it is interesting, the timing with this, because I, I have noticed things in the news heating up a lot um, with Iran just in the last two years. So I think what people maybe are not happy with in this situation is they're thinking like, was this the right time to do it? Like tensions are now so high between Iran and the U S that this could be, this could start a war versus three years ago. Maybe it wouldn't have. So I guess I'm not really sure about the specifics of that. Yeah, and the problem is, is we'll probably never really know a lot of those intricate <clears throat> details because they're probably considered classified or a need to know type basis. And they deem probably the American public didn't need to know. But, look, the thing about Soleimani is that we've had a plan to kill him for 10 years, probably even more, right? Soleimani has been has been responsible for more American deaths than probably the Sunni militia groups or things like al-qaeda al-nusra even isis mm -hmm. right Soleimani is 
has been one of the main adversaries of the United States. And it's sad that people are barely understanding who this person was, but he has been one of the main adversaries of the United States. Um, well, he, he doesn't have the notoriety that <clears throat> Osama bin Laden does. I'm no, I mean, if he, but, if he did something as public as 9-11, of course everyone would know his name, but maybe that's the yep. problem is that we don't really know much about him and what he's done. Well, one one of the main problems, and and one of the things that I'm glad to hear you mention, Kelly, was that you know there, there's other people have their own history in the Middle East, and one of my biggest biggest pet peeves, the thing that I can't get over, is that people believe that history only begins in a certain location if the U.S. does something in that location, right? The, the <laughs> yeah. Middle Eastern history did not begin after the 2003 invasion of Iraq, there has been a long-standing fight between these two sects of Islam, Sunni and Shiite, for a thousand, fourteen hundred years, right? Inevitably, the U.S. conflict in Iraq is going to come up because it, it, it was sort of a cataclysm and it did create a lot of chaos in, in that region. But the history did not start in 2003 history did not start in 2001 history it's been going on for thousands of years hundreds of years it's that's one of the biggest pet peeves that i have when i listen to commentary is that the 2003 iraq war comes up and it's 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 as if it's as if iran is is only concerned with the u.s the u the iran is primarily in a cold war with the sunni state of saudi arabia that's one of their main concerns. That's one of their main, you know, adversaries. That's their primary concern. They also have other ideological concerns, like I mentioned before, and like Jameson mentioned, they're also you know one of the biggest adversaries to Israel, right? So that that is one of my biggest pet peeves is that people think that that history only starts in a certain region when when the U.S. does something or when the U.S. intervenes. Yeah, when um, everybody starts hearing about this country for the first time and you're looking at the news like, where is that on the map? And everyone's looking it up on their phones. And yeah, I've never heard of Turkmenistan. What's going on there? <laughs> Did you guys ever see the movie Argo? Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that is one of those other movies that I think a lot of people should watch because I believe if I'm remembering it correctly, it takes place during, what is it, like when the Iranians essentially captured a bunch of uh, U.S. Um, essentially civilians back in the 1970s. What was it, 1979, maybe 1980? But that, that movie takes place during that entire time, so a lot of people don't even remember the fact that, you know, Iran has even taken U.S. hostages over the course of many years as well. Yeah, the U.S. and Iran have a very long and dark history. It's not like, it's not like Trump got into office and said, "You know what? I'm just going to throw darts on a map, and whatever that dart hits, that's just the country that I'm going to hate." Right? We have had even in 2001 or 2002, Bush gave a famous speech about the axis of evil, and Iran was part of that. And then mm -hmm. for the longest time, we've known. And again, it gets into what we were talking about, American interventionism, right? These countries, these not these countries, right? Like Jameson was saying, a lot of people there, unfortunately, are you know, oppressed by these totalitarian regimes that they live under, right? And they would like nothing more than to live in an open and free society with, you know, Western liberal, for lack of a better term, you know, 
ideology where, where you have freedom of speech, you have freedom of religion, and, and you can choose to be the person that you want to be. But unfortunately, they're oppressed by these you know, dictators or theocracies. And so, now that's my train of thought a little bit here, but I but ran... Basically, this is, but, not a, this is not a new beef. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Exactly. So, Iran is in the U.S. have had a long and very strained relationship because, at the root of this, is we are opposed ideologically. Mm -hmm. One side, which is the U.S., values, like I mentioned, freedom of speech. They value freedom of religion. They value an open market. They value. We have these things written into our constitution. You have the right to protest. You have the right to believe what you want to believe. And on the other side, you have a theocracy that says, if you criticize the religion, you'll die. If you criticize the prophet, you die. If you blaspheme or if you leave the religion, you die. If you're gay, you die. If you protest against the regime, you die. If you leave the country and protest, we'll kill your family. Right. And, and they, they've been killing protesters left and right. And this isn't a new phenomenon. Right. They just killed 1500 protesters. They've they, even back in the 1990s during, you know, the school revolutions, the Green Revolution, they killed hundreds of protesters. Right. This isn't anything new. And Iran, Iran has a very long, very dark history. And they also have a very long and dark history with us. Right. They've they've taken on American embassies. We unfortunately shot down one of their planes. You know, it's, it's a very dark history, and it didn't just start with us killing Soleimani. You know, and another thing that I think makes me a little bit more pro, uh, you know, in the United States intervention um, is Iran is also very, very close allies with both Russia and China. And, you know, if the United States, for whatever reason, kind of backs off a bit, backs out of the Middle East... Russia and China, who are two com or two countries that don't have like a lot of the best interest at heart for their people, notoriously, are going to start getting a lot more influence in the Middle East as well. And I just don't think that's going to be beneficial to essentially a lot of the innocent people that live in the Middle East that, like Jerry said, want a lot of those Western liberal ideologies of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, you know, free market capitalism, things of that nature as well. And I just, I think that that's another important thing that people need to consider, even though there's a lot of people right now in the United States that are not very pro-capitalism, you know, Western liberal ideas even. But I think that that's important that people realize that, you know, we do have a lot of really great values that we are trying to give to these people as well, and a lot of freedoms that we are trying to give to these people. And if Russia and China and Iran start getting more and more influence within the Middle East, a lot of that's going to go away. Yeah, that's the... That's, like, the nice way of looking at intervening in these situations, and I think not many people think of it that way, but really, isn't that the goal, is to, to free people from a, a tyrant and give them the option to choose how they want to live their life and have the same values that we share here it's but it, it is that is the goal but unfortunately this gets smeared and slandered as neoconservatism right this is exactly the ideology of what neoconservatism is i had a lot of fun when i was younger on twitter i my twitter handle read neoconservative and, and all the time I would get into these debates with people and then they would read my Twitter handle and they would be, oh, you're a neocon. And then 
<laughs> that would be sort of the <laughs> the slur that, that they would use against them. <laughs> yeah, and it, it still is, but unfortunately, people would still slander it. And it, one of the wrong things with this sort of interventionist mindset is that it sort of it sort of says, you know, we are justified. The means are justified because of the the end that we're we're trying to achieve here, right? As long as you know, we can kill. We, we can intervene in Iraq. We can, you know, uproot all these people. We can remove a regime from power as long as what we're trying to accomplish in the end is democracy, right? And there's you know, the road, you know, to what is the, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I think that that's the saying, right? And yeah. we have we have had a lot of mishaps and a lot of things that we have to atone for. We just famously, I mean, most famously is probably you know, the indiscriminate killing with drone strikes. Probably, you know, Abu Ghraib is, is one of the indelible smears in, in our society, right? The fact that we tortured people in Iraqi prisons when yeah. our whole point was to remove a totalitarian regime that did just that. Now, obviously, I'm not comparing what the U.S. did to the horrible, you know, psychotic regime of Saddam Hussein, but, you know, that you can't you have to be better you have to have higher morals and higher standards right and so that's ultimately what we need to achieve and and i feel like a lot of the arguments against this especially from the you know anti almost there's sort of a pocket from each side of, of isolationists right libertarians the left and also the right that that just that don't see this and i i i think this would be a good segue into a critique of those people because so for example uh, this point is perfectly eliminated by bernie sanders right now is on a rampage to smear joe biden and say you voted for the war in iraq right that's his talking point you voted for the war in iraq you're an interventionist you did this blah blah, blah. and joe biden is forced to retreat because it's a very unpopular opinion but nobody subsequently nobody is facing the same uh, sort of the same embarrassment for not intervening in Syria. We chose to not intervene in Syria. Bernie, Nobody's questioning Bernie Sanders and going, Bernie, how come you didn't vote to intervene in Syria? Which caused a horrible humanitarian crisis, probably the mm -hmm. worst humanitarian crisis of our lifetime, right? But nobody, Bernie Sanders is not going through the same embarrassment as Joe Biden is, right? And so that that perfectly sort of highlights what this whole thing is about right it's it's like you either intervene or you don't intervene but there seems to be more embarrassment when we do do something which is sad because you know i agree like the what happened in the the prisons in iraq is probably one of the biggest black marks on on the u.s in history i think it's reprehensible what happened but now it's become popular to want to be isolationist. I think that's the popular point of view now. And the, I mean, it's much harder to make the decision to go to war, especially like with the case of Iraq or with Syria. Like no one can say that we were going to go to Syria just because there was some sort of natural resource we were after. It would have been just to try to alleviate the hell that was happening to those people. And I think that would have been a much harder decision for a president to, to go intervene in Syria and yet it's more popular for us to stay out of it. And that's just, I think, the common belief now with people. I think most Americans now feel that we should just stay out of it and let people figure it out.
none of our business. It's a very libertarian approach. Wrong. No, you're not wrong. I mean, like, I follow a lot of libertarians on Twitter, and I identify as a libertarian for the most part, but mm-hmm. they are extremely isolationist, which I used to be a little bit more isolationist than I am now, but, you know, a little more research, a little bit more reading, things of that nature, um, you know, kind of gave me that opinion of the U.S. presence in the Middle East essentially being, I believe, a good presence, like I spoke earlier, to essentially protecting our biggest ally in the Middle East of Israel, which I think is a crucial thing that the U.S. needs to do, um, that honestly I feel like if we became isolationists and we backed out of Israel, it would just be a matter of time before all the countries in the Middle East tried to just rain hell upon them. But you're absolutely right. I feel like people are starting to become more and more isolationist and... And I feel like that's even starting to become the biggest talking point of a lot of the people on the left. Like, you know, they view the U.S. as like this imperial scum that's just trying to essentially, like Jerry said earlier, be a world police. And that, you know, the U.S. military is always out to become this, I don't know how they call it, maybe a uh, military industrial complex and that it's just trying to spread u.s imperialism i've heard a lot of people start saying and i don't necessarily think that's the right approach either but you're absolutely right that that seems to be a way a lot of people are starting to focus and they think it's it's kind of taboo and look the isolationism has always been popular in this country i mean think back to fahrenheit 9-11 michael moore one of the most fucking for, for me intolerable people on this planet but he, he's a far lefty who's very isolationist he he came out with that documentary fahrenheit 9 11 it was very popular for non-interventionism and even if you look back in the 1930s right the, the people were very against intervening with the nazis right the, we had famously neville chamberlain going to you know, to Hitler and having this signed document saying, look, I got this signed paper from Hitler and he says he's not going to, he promised not to invade, right? <laughs> and that didn't work out very well <laughs> for him. And he, yeah, and he actually lost the prime ministership to, to Churchill because of that. But the intervent, anti-interventionism, isolationism, right? You can look up pictures from the 1930s. It's always been very popular, right? The, it, there's there's pictures that show people holding up posters that show, you know, what did the Nazis ever do to us, right? It's just, it, to, it's a very unpopular opinion to say that you want to intervene in a foreign country because it does strike that note of imperialism for people and that, that we need to get over that. That, to me, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, to speak to your point even a little bit more, if you look back to uh, World War One, a lot of uh, Woodrow Wilson was campaigning on the fact that he kept us out of the war. So, I mean, you're absolutely yeah. right. Like, it's, mm. people are very, very isolationist in this country for a very long time. Yeah, it, it's been, it's been a, a long tradition in this country, and, and uh, really in, in every country, right? We're... We're very nationalistic. We're very tribal, and and it's difficult for people. And and ultimately, sadly, people don't care. People don't care that other people are going through these misfortunes, right? And that, to me, the only reason that I'm almost I I consider myself a libertarian as well. I, I I'm not a lefty. I'm not you know right wing. I, I I'm pretty middle of the road, you know, very pretty libertarian but i i almost i'm 
so far to the right of most libertarians where I am interventionist. And the main reason is that I see the atrocities that are going on in Syria. I see these poor people dying indiscriminately because of you know, either Russian fighters, Russian airplanes dropping bombs, you know, Bashar al-Assad's people dropping bombs. I see people in Iran protesting the regime and being killed. There's 1,500 people that died in these protests in the last couple months. And also in Iraq, people didn't talk about it very much, but they were protesting the Iraqi government because it was so corrupt and so pro-Iran. There was a recent vote that the Iraqi parliament took to kick out the U.S., right? And every leftist jumped on this and said, look, this is straight proof that Iraq and that the killing of Soleimani was the, the wrong thing. And, and nobody bothered to understand how that vote took place. The Iraqi parliament wasn't even in full session. It was, the people that voted to kick us out were strictly Iranian-backed Shiite parliamentarians, right? It was there was 142 people that voted out of 346. The people that didn't vote, the people that abstained from voting, were the Sunni and, you know, to the north, the Kurdish minorities that didn't participate in the vote. And when they actually took session and said, look, this is a problem. We need to actually think about this. We're not going to vote right now, right? And so th there's all this misinformation. There's just all this, like, and, and again, why I'm, I'm an interventionist is that these people just suffer these atrocities and, and you have these governments that are so corrupt and so willing to kill people that, that I don't, I can't in good conscience say, well, yeah, we shouldn't do anything when you know what's going on. So can I play devil's advocate just for a few moments? Cause I, I completely agree with what you're saying, but I just kind of want to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, yeah. So what about like the people that are going to argue at this point, you know, what about the American lives that are being lost? at this particular like our troops are going over there and we are you know losing we've lost thousands of american troops in iraq you know we don't want to start another 20 to 30 year war that's gonna you know result in just more bloodshed and more american money and troops and blah 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 and the fact that these wars have cost trillions of dollars and we have very little to show for it like what would be your argument when somebody comes back to you with that look undoubtedly a lot of american lives have been lost but nobody this is why i respect american service men and women so much you know exactly what you're signing up for you know that there's a possibility of you going to war and it is a voluntary based system you know what you're signing up for there's nobody that's ever signed up for the military that hasn't understood that there could be the possibility of you going to war and a lot of the times the people that serve are the ones that want to go over and you know the people that do serve are the ones that want to go and fight for these other people and it is difficult it is almost like that you know that michael moore argument would you be willing to send your your daughter or your son like <laughs> no i i can't make that decision for them like they have to sign out they have to make that decision for themselves like and it's why i respect American servicemen and women so much. It's a very difficult decision, especially if you're going to sign up in a, you know, in a combat role. And unfortunately, it brings us back to an ideological argument, right? We are antithetically opposed to the totalitarian ideology 
of those regimes. We cannot, unfortunately, yeah, I would love to never send another person to go die, to go you know, risk their lives you know, for anybody. But unfortunately, we live in a world where there are people that believe in their ideology so much, right, that believe that their book is the holiest of books and they would kill other people or want to conquer the rest of the world. And we, unfortunately, in our society, have to ask a lot of young people, a lot of people in our society to volunteer and fight on the side of liberal values, right? We have to, we have, to have somebody, unfortunately, volunteer as tribute and say, you know what, we need we need to ask the ultimate sacrifice of you to to fight for you know that freedom, to fight for that freedom of, of speech, to fight for that freedom of thought. Because there are people around the world that would kill you or kill all of us because we didn't believe as they believed. So So Jerry, let me let me kinda jump in and ask you. So I'm I'm on the same track as you. Um but I'm curious what would you think because I agree that people that are enlisting they know there's the possibility of war and they're usually the first people that would want to go and protect people that are being um, treated this way but what what happens in the case of like Vietnam where they had to they had to enlist the draft and actually draft people who weren't willingly signing up I to go into the military I don't agree with the draft I don't I think I am a hundred percent opposed to a draft. I think it undervalues, and I think look, if we're going to ask people to sacrifice themselves for the values that we claim to uphold, that needs to be on a voluntary basis. We can't live, we can't live in a society that just drafts you against your will. You have to have the ability to protest. You have to have the ability to speak your mind and have your own opinions. And for you to be drafted, that that totally undermines and is antithetical to everything that we believe as a country, right? We believe that, that you have the right to believe as you believe, to think as you think. And for you to be drafted into a war that was very, very controversial. And I don't know that much about Vietnam and the Vietnam War, but from what I understand, it was a very, very questionable war for us to be involved, right? There's some arguments for it and i know most of it are against it but i mean i'm a hundred percent opposed to a draft like i don't believe that that i if i was drafted even if it was a war that i believe in i would probably still oppose it because i i'm that opposed to the notion of a draft yeah same here because basically what you guys are saying is you know talking about the argument a lot of people why are we going to sacrifice american lives and basically it's comes down to do you value american lives more than syrian lives do you find do you are you willing to say that you think that one of our lives is worth more than someone else's just because of your your national pride and and you know if you're willing to sit by and let something like that happen you know that's on your conscience but i feel that most people that are in the military are very much not of that mindset. They're they're usually the people that are willing to go lay it on the line to fight for things that we believe in in our country. Yeah, That's very it. much. I mean, no, no, no. I, I totally got. I don't know if, if Jamie was, was going to jump in here, but I totally agree. I think exactly like you said, the people that join the military and even the people that don't join the military, there's a lot of reasons why people don't join the military, but the people that join the military, you know, 
100% want to uphold the values that this country, you know, ideally claims to have. And I, to get back on the, on the quick draft point, I'm opposed to the draft and a lot of people in the military. You know, we're very fortunate that we have you know, men and women that sign up to go fight overseas. You know, it's, it's, it's one of the most admirable things. And to me, one of the most respected and venerated people in our society is the people that actually go and, and fight overseas and, and fight for other people and fight for their freedoms. Like we are very, very lucky in this country to have the freedoms afforded to us. You know, we're for lack of a better term, very privileged to, to live in this society. And, and I would like to live in a world where everybody has afforded those privileges. But unfortunately we live in a society that has thugs and, and dictators and megalomaniacs that would rather suppress people, kill people, jail people. And unfortunately we have to ask, you know, men and women to volunteer and go fight and, and, and go, yeah. you know, go fight for these people because we, we don't have an alternative. It also just occurred to me as we were talking about that that I think it's terrible that the draft happened for Vietnam, but even with the draft happening, we also had the ability for people to get involved with groups to be a conscientious objector. So even still, like people had the right to say no if they got involved enough in a group that they were like, I absolutely object to this. This is morally reprehensible. I think it still says something about the United States that there was still that possibility for people to not be drafted because they were morally against it. That would not be the case in some countries. That's for damn sure. <laughs> and if you want to learn more about being a conscientious, uh, what was it called again? I'm sorry. Conscientious, conscientious objector. That's right. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Great movie. The guy that stars in that movie or the story mm -hmm. of that movie, he was a conscientious objector during World War II. And oh wow! He, he became a uh, he became a medic, essentially. Yeah, I and, thought that was the guy that couldn't. Yeah, so his his religious belief was essentially to like he believed in the Ten Commandments thoroughly. So I mean, "Thou shall not kill" is one of them. So, but he wanted to essentially still serve his country, but he essentially didn't want to I go remember out that and movie. fight and kill. So he he became a medic. He ends up saving hundreds of lives in the especially during the battle of hacksaw ridge which if you guys don't know the battle of hacksaw ridge an extremely gruesome terrible battle between the u.s and the japanese during world war ii where thousands of lives are lost but he ends up saving hundreds of lives both um japanese and uh u.s and it's it's an amazing movie so if you want to learn more about like what kelly was talking about that movie is fantastic for it i remember that movie now that you described it yeah Stars the guy yeah. that plays Spider-Man, not Tom Holland, but Andrew Garfield. Um, and then, uh, speaking of people that were in the military, Jerry, obviously, was in the military as well. He was in the Air Force. And then a shout-out to mm -hmm. Mark Burke as well, Kelly's brother. He, uh, he even did a tour over in Iraq. So, Yeah, that's yep. true. It is kind of amazing like how many people we know that are in the military voluntarily. Yeah. Well, like I said, one was on this one's on this podcast right now. So. That's true. <laughs> I for, I somehow forget that. <laughs> well, you owe the Air Force like a, a lot, Kelly. Ago. You owe the I Air Force. <laughs> huh? it's, it's made me very patriotic. Yeah. Mm. So, but no, I agree with uh I'm I'm kind of indifferent, I guess, towards the draft. I've never really thought about it all that much until you guys were just talking about it right there. I mean if 
worst case scenario, you know, like uh, tomorrow Iran declares war on the United States and then, you know, the United States declares war on Iran and then Russia and China and everybody starts declaring war on each other and then the draft is passed through Congress and people need to, you know, start getting drafted. At this point, you know, I'd say like, hey, my country needs me. I probably would just run over there and enlist at this point. But I don't know. I guess I've never really thought too much about the draft. And, uh, huh. Yeah, it hasn't, hasn't been a thing during our lifetime, but I I imagine the, vol- the draft would involve women now. Yeah, we want equality. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, we need people it. in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Jerry's a great cook. <laughs> <laughs> I, I and know. I'm a pretty decent shot. I'll have to. Jerry, you'll cook. <laughs> I'll have to think a little bit more about that because that's that's something I've never honestly really taken into consideration. Just because, like you it, said, it's never really been a topic during my yeah, life. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's interesting, like putting it in those terms because history. We're looking, we're talking about like World War Two and Vietnam. That was not very long ago. No. That could very realistically be in our lifetime if if something happens. And I think people are starting to think about that a bit. But actually thinking about reasons that I would go to war. That's that's a little different to try to to think about. Like if we really did have a situation where we were that we were that desperate for people, and this was the cause, I I would be in. Yeah, Vietnam was kind of an exception. No, like it was... people didn't believe in Vietnam. Like overwhelmingly, they didn't want to be there. From yeah. my understanding, there was a lot of differences between that one. Like nobody really explained to the American public why we were even there, which is why a lot of people started to be like why are we fighting in a war that we don't need to be in and you know blah 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 and it was essentially just the fear the united states had of basically communism spreading because they were afraid of you know soviet influence and losing the cold war Mm -hmm. so i don't necessarily agree with a lot of the reasons we got involved in vietnam just like i'm not essentially i'm indifferent towards the reasons that we got involved in korea because it was a similar situation you know we were we didn't want the Soviet Union to essentially start spreading their influence. We didn't want China to start essentially spreading their influence. So we got involved in well, Korea at, once again. So look at North Korea. Look at the state of the people that live in North Korea. Yeah. No, and I mean that's another interesting topic we could even well, bring up is should U.S. intervene in North Korea? Yeah, I mean, hard to say. Again, uh, you got to look at the big factors. That's with that one. I mean, China's their biggest ally and. You don't want to go pushing the biggest kid on the block either. Sometimes, so look, we don't. It, my reason for not intervening in North Korea is is the same reason. Look, we don't. We the only thing you can do in North Korea is kill Kim Jong Un, and the United States doesn't assassinate foreign heads of state unless yeah. you're going to declare war, right? So if you declare war on North Korea, you have the people of Seoul. 23 million people held hostage by nuclear weapons, right? So yeah. it's not like you can simply, people say, well, why don't you just assassinate Kim Jong-un? Because we don't, again, we don't assassinate foreign heads of state. And brings us back to the Soleimani thing. Soleimani was not, he wasn't General Petraeus. He, he wasn't Ash Carter or, you know, some Secretary of Defense. He was the leader of a designated terrorist organization that worked with other terrorist organizations he was literally in the same airplane as an iraqi shiite 
militia terrorist organization group. Like he was literally in the same car ride. Like and this is what people don't understand that Soleimani was a terrorist. He was designated a terrorist. We already had a plan to kill him. But we we also don't have a policy or I don't think we should have a policy where we kill foreign heads of state. They need to have the right and we still need to have and operate by certain rules of engagement i think we have to civilize war as as much as possible but we soleimani was not some like i said he wasn't the, the secretary of the department of defense he wasn't you know he wasn't colin powell he was he was the, the leader of a terrorist organization I think the people need to have the right to essentially choose their own leaders as well so it's not up to us to essentially like you said take out a head of state i mean we need to essentially let sometimes the people of that country like there was huge riots over and protest over the last couple weeks of people wanting essentially ayatollah ali out of office i mean so the people of iran don't necessarily want them there you know we just kind of let them do their thing they're they'll probably eventually at some point either get him out of power or the people of Iran might even request the United States help at some point. But, you know, it's but, not... Yeah, and I don't think... I don't think the Ayatollah Khamenei will will leave power. And, and he's not unfortunately... Probably. No, and, and there's not... Again, it would take a lot for the U.S. to intervene and there... They kill protesters with impunity. They they know that they can get away with it, and that the U.S. or any foreign entity is going to intervene. Right? We didn't do it in Syria. We didn't do it anywhere else in the Middle East in 2011 during the Arab Spring. We didn't intervene when a lot of people were being killed and a lot of people were requesting, you know, and protesting for democracy. So we didn't do it. So Iran knows that they can act, you know, with complete, you know, in total. They don't have to worry about foreign intervention right but and and, and <laughs> i don't know i i might have lost my train but anyway look i i don't think that the the ayatollah is gonna is gonna lose his position in the world that they can they can act however they want they can kill whoever they want and, and they don't have to worry about that unfortunately that's that's the world that we live in unfortunately but you know, like like you said, it's not for the U.S. to take out heads of state. It's yeah, and North Korea is a a tricky subject. I don't think that I'm not saying that. Hey, let's go knock down the door. Um, the other problem with that is the humanitarian crisis that would follow because you would have an entire country of refugees, um, and they would only have basically china and south korea to flee to so in russia but it's it's also yeah that's true but it's also tough because you're you know what terrible things are happening to the people that are there right now i've read so many stories of people who have managed to escape north korea and the stories that they've told and it's like it is really hard to to just logically reason that out because it's you want to go in and help people but uh, you know, there's a lot more to it than that, unfortunately. And there's also the people that support the regime. Like, yeah, there's thousands, millions of people that support these regimes as well. There are you know that they're, there. yeah, they they're in power for a reason. Yeah, well, some of that's due to brainwashing, but some of it's actually due to loyalty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's true. Well, in the case of North Korea, it's very much true. There's a lot of brainwashing. 
<laughs> it goes into that. They're being shown one percent of the truth. I feel like. Can you guys uh, pause for real quick? Because um, battery's about to die on this, so I'm just gonna swap this out real quick. Yeah. Glad I could fit you guys into my busy schedule. <laughs> Me too. So I started recording again. Um, okay. Just, uh, I have one more uh, thing to ask you guys about Iran, since we're on the topic. All right. Uh, any thoughts or conspiracy theories or feelings about uh, the uh, plane that Iran shot down? I never even heard. Did it kill anybody? When it... Like 176 yeah. people. <laughs> killed oh, wait, everybody on board. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I was I was thinking about the uh, the launch against the airbase. Oh no 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 yeah that one had no casualties. No casualties no. there. Sorry, I was I was half listening. That's fine. That was just Iran going like, look how big our stick is. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a total dick measuring contest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lovely. They came up short. okay sorry so the flight the flight that was shot down where did it come from wasn't it going to ukraine it was a ukrainian ukrainian yeah yeah oh okay and it had like uh 50 some odd canadian passengers on board uh some ukrainian officials and uh Have, have they said why they shot it down they said it was a mistake so like okay, I, that I think you need to elaborate a little bit there. So US that officials state. are confident this is I'm reading the CBS news report. So it says US okay. officials are confident that Iran shot down a Ukrainian jetliner in the hours after an Iranian missile attack on US targets. CBS news has learned that 176 people were killed and at least 63 Canadians and they confirmed that they believe it was a mistake. So, okay. Yeah, that's all they're that's saying. That's a pretty about it. all they're saying. Yeah, that's literally all they're saying about it. Like Iran was like, "Oh, we didn't mean to shoot down that airline." Um, oh my word! Can you imagine being a family member of someone who was killed, and you hear that is the reason? I don't know. Man. Like I, I've heard Trudeau is apparently trying to get a little, you know, huffy and puffy about it, but he's kind of a pussy. Um, he's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, let's face it, he's Canadian. <laughs> oh my god, I hope Oh, it's probably our fault. This. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadians probably brought it down. Our bad. <laughs> oh god. Uh, but no, he's uh, apparently he's done a, like he's pushed up his chest a little bit to be like we will find out the root he cause of grow out his beard. Down. Yeah. With not I'd human like kind, but people kind. For... For any Canadians listening, I do not share the views of these two people. <laughs> yeah, our friend from Time for Your Hobby, shout out to Time for Your Hobby, he's Canadian. So, if you, oh, listen, yeah. to, if you listen to this, there's nothing to reflect against you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Equal opportunity right here. We make fun of everyone. Yeah, we made fun of Greenland. I wish I was Canadian. Canada. Including ourselves. <laughs> yeah. The worst thing about them is that they're too nice. Yeah. They gave us Bieber. So but they also beaver. Gave us, they, they should apologize for that. <laughs> they gave us beaver. Is that Be- like a no, country beaver. to country Justin STD? Beaver. <laughs> Not beavers like the animal. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a like I an STD they... or something. <laughs> oh, I went up to Canada and I got the beaver. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I got the beaver. <laughs> oh 
no. <laughs> they got it out of Tim Hortons. They got oh, me no. the beaver real bad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could just edit this out of the podcast. No, I'm keeping it in. <laughs> yeah, we should. That's what she said. Hey, yo. Wow. Oh, my God. One so minute back, we're talking super to serious Iran. about being drafted. <laughs> the next we're like, Beaver, is that an STD? <laughs> That's why people listen to our podcast, Kelly. We mix it up. <laughs> All right. Gave you a little bit of comic relief. Let's talk about world hunger now. Right. <laughs> But uh, do you guys have any like conspiracy theories, thoughts on that whole shoot down or what? Yeah, there was a lot of fuckery afoot. Like first, they Very said that it was a mistake. Term. Yeah, it was. It's Joe Rogan's term. He's like, there's a lot of fuckery afoot. <laughs> That's Joe Rogan says it. It's legit. Yeah. It's in the dictionary by now. All right, go ahead. But okay, you're gonna shoot down an Iran a, a Ukrainian plane with I think it was a Ukrainian official and. Vladimir Putin is one of your biggest allies. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like there's, 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 there's a little fuckery afoot here. There's, like, there's, there's something going on here that I'm like, how do you accidentally shoot down a plane that's leaving? It's not like it was coming in. They're like, oh shit, <laughs> Where, who's that guy? Who is that? <laughs> like it's yeah. like it's leaving your airport. Like it's not. <laughs> you know, it's not like they didn't mark it. Like. There's something going on where, like, come on now. There's the, uh, the bigger question is why were Canadians visiting Iran? It's not like a, lot a of fun people visit place Iran. to go. It's a pretty place. Mm. It's a, yeah, it's a beautiful place. I would go to Iran. And let's not right face it. Now. Nobody I'll really die hates Canadians. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> Are you if they're at not Jerry the- Gonzalo? <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> we've, we've read some of your tweets. We've read and... what you've said on Twitter. <laughs> Enjoy <you're>... prison. <laughs> you see me hanging from a crane. <laughs> Surprise! There's a spot law on your head. <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, Midnight Express? It's probably going to be a lot like that. <laughs> <laughs> what's midnight express it's this uh, movie from the 70s where this guy he was uh, smuggling drugs um from turkey to somewhere in europe and uh the turkish government catches him smuggling these drugs so they throw him in a turkish prison and it's just like constant beatings and ass raping it's, oh, oh my geez. god why would you, why would you watch that <laughs> Not you, you need to learn there's what to anything do. wrong with that was it a true story <laughs> yeah it's a true story Jeez. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to watch that one. I'm going to hang out with Salman Rushdie. We're Fatwa Brothers. Fatwa Bros. <laughs> and Larry David. And yeah, Larry David. <laughs> We're Fatwa Brothers. <laughs> Iran put like a like a $60 million it was an bounty Iran. on Trump. $80 million, yeah. Oh, $80 million, really? yeah. And then yeah. did you see George Lopez's response? No. George Lopez responds, We'll do it for half. Like oh, God. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's getting like emails from the Secret Service like take every <laughs> single threat against the president very seriously. <laughs> oh, imagine if they deported his family. <laughs> it's a joke. They cannot possibly follow up with every threat against Trump the president. just like deports him, just like fuck you. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Oh, god. Yeah, good luck down in Mexico, George. <laughs> oh god. Good luck with your comedy. Career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that'd be pretty funny. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, man. I could I see been. Trump tweeting that like the porn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh you hear God. a knock on your door. It's ice. <laughs> right. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have I can't any thoughts Trump about didn't the? Uh, think of that. Uh, you know, he might have done some kind of witty response. You know, he just does so many tweets a day. I can't keep up with them all. Yeah. Mm, they're not usually witty, though. Yeah. Yeah, Trump is agree. Trump is kind of funny. Like he's like he's like a funny person. Like he's actually pretty funny. <laughs> He's like a funny. Funny if he wasn't in charge. (laughs) No, like even still, like his sense of humor is like, I like I wish I liked him more. Like I really don't like, like, I don't care for Trump, but like, he's like a funny person. Like sometimes, like you have to admit, like that was pretty funny. (laughs) Like some of the shit he just picks up people. Like it's actually like pretty funny. He did this. uh, I saw this little like short video gif or whatever you call it the other day and it was him like yeah. some he was on a golf course and some guy is like yelling like you know mr trump mr trump what are you drinking there and he goes well he looks down in it and he goes water well it's a michelob ultra so basically water <laughs> <laughs> and then he just kind of like walks away <laughs> i was like that's hey, pretty something, fucking awesome <laughs> something he and i can agree on see i knew there was something we could agree on <laughs> I just like that. He's he is a witty guy. I think he's actually pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, he's he's funny. He's just a crappy person. Cool. Yeah. Listen to the Owl podcast. They said I'm a funny person. I like the Owl podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> great people. Some of the best if people. If he endorses out there. your podcast, he clearly didn't listen to the whole thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just don't want him to draft me. That's that's why. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> not you know, me. Hashtag not me. <laughs> I'll be. Uh, I'll go on the record right now, and I'll tell you guys that of all the candidates out there, I will probably vote for Trump. I'm yeah. probably gonna vote Andrew Yang. He seems like the most reasonable. Like he's not that. He's like he's not super lefty. Like he doesn't pander to the left. He's kind of like middle of the road. Not too crazy. Well, I just have problems with it. I just have problems with his UBI aspect of things because I don't feel like he's I essentially like thought it out enough. Is that universal basic income? Yeah, mm. I don't. I don't oh, think. I didn't know we were abbreviating that. Abbreviating that. Oh, that's really what cool. he calls it. UBI. And don't get me wrong. Yeah. I liked well, his uh, podcast with Joe Rogan. I thought he's very mm-hmm. well spoken. He's very smart. He's obviously an entrepreneur, so he knows how to create jobs and make money. But I just I don't. I don't necessarily agree with the universal basic income aspect of things. So, mm. do you really think that he'd be able to put that into play, though? That's what yeah, he's campaigning he on. Yeah, that's what he's campaigning. On. To me, that, it's like a. To me, it's like a negative tax. Like, I pay so much in taxes, and it bothers the fuck out of me. Well, then get rid of income that, tax. Yeah, but I mean, nobody's campaigning on that. Nobody's saying oh, we're <laughs> we're in a campaign on getting rid of income tax. Like, <laughs> Trump's not really campaigning on that. His whole thing is jobs. And but the left is just fucking crazy. Like I, if it's between Warren and Trump or Sanders and Trump, uh, fuck yeah, I'm voting Trump. Same. Like, not even a question. And I guess that's kind of more where I was leaning. Like I think it's probably going to be come between either Sanders, Warren, or Biden between the three that are going to be chosen as actual Democratic candidates. So that's why I'll say that I would vote for Trump right now. 
I think Biden Biden's gonna lose it. Like Biden, he's already mentally gone, and he's. I don't think Democrats are gonna do the same mistake and put another Hillary Clinton on there. Like he's just he's so bland. He's so boring. Like he's sleepy he, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sleepy Joe. <laughs> Leslie Nope would be so disappointed. Know. Have you seen him speak? Like he was at that yeah, pool he's... with a bunch of black kids, and he's like, you know, they they would come up and they would touch my leg, and I liked when they touched my leg, and there was, was a I weird like feeling. When they touched my leg. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so he's creepy. Past, and, like he's, he's just like, and like people called him out like a town hall, and like he just lost it. Like oh god, and he says he's just like. He's not goofy, but he just says like stupid shit and like Does it sound nobody familiar? really likes Does it sound him. Like else? No, it's it's not it's not like it's not like a Trump thing. Like it's not like that, but it's just like he makes like actual like gaffes. Like he he it's not like a Trump thing where he just like says stupid things. It's like he like fucks up. Like he just he like he like makes mistakes and it's like it kind of looks like he has so... like dementia. Like it's like it's different. So it's it's more forgivable with Trump because he really is stupid. It's less forgivable with Biden because he's just being stupid occasionally. Or no, do you like, think he should be less stupid, or he used to be less stupid. Well, what too is it's with Biden because Biden like Biden is is doing things that like one or a little like the things he says sometimes are a little creepy, and they are creepy. And he has that like that weird touching thing that it's inevitably gonna come up. Sorry, but you could, you could be talking you could be talking about either him or Trump right now. It's like interchangeable. Yeah, but then and then with Biden he also creepy, like, and he touches people and he brags about touching them. No, but it's different. Like he has like this weird thing on camera where like I'm sure you've seen the videos, but anyway, and then too, like Biden just says like like weird shit like it's just like like weird like it's not even like funny weird like trump like trump trump's just kind of a weird guy like he's just off and he kind of just panders to whatever crowd he's just talking to like biden just like he's just like a thing is obvious that his mind is is gone like with trump like trump is just kind of a, like a quack and he just kind of panders to people but his mind is still sharp like it's just like I don't know with Biden it's just like a little bit different I don't know hmm gotcha it was just funny the parallels you were making or it's yeah. like Biden has somehow become the Democrats Trump here's hmm. this old possibly crazy guy who touches people and it's kind of pervy well and there was like a video he I saw spoke. on Twitter the other day where he's doing like a weird touch on like this little girl like he's like rubbing his yeah. finger across her like forehead and her yeah, arm yeah the creepy yeah just, yeah like where's the mostly on paper boy <laughs> <laughs> just looking for some good news <laughs> yeah 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 he's like herb to perp like, yeah uh, dude, like it's just creepy and didn't he also get in trouble like years ago for plagiarism or something like that like he was reading like a speech and it turns oh, out it was like jfk actually wrote the same thing <laughs> years before I don't know. Like Trump oh, is like Trump like Trump's just like after like porn stars. Like Biden is just like creepy with like women, if that makes sense. Like yeah. I know it's like it's like there's a it's like a difference, like but it's still different. Like he's just Biden's just weird. And and Trump is Trump's just kind of like a like a 
like a douchey creep like trump is just like those people that like oh i want to make money and then you know i want to hook up with porn stars like biden's like kind of like more creepy i guess i'm so sad that the people that are gonna possibly be up for election are the people that we're talking about right now really yeah funny. but i mean that, that that's a choice that we often make like I, I'm not going to vote for Biden. I'm not going to vote for Warren. I think she's crazy. I'm not going to vote for Sanders. I think he's even crazier. Like, I like Andrew Yang, and from what I've seen, like, he's... I like Budashek, too. Like, he's he's pretty centrist. He panders a little bit too much to the left, but he kind of got away from that, and he's, he's like pretty Bloomberg? neoliberal. Bloomberg, I don't know. I've honestly not seen that much. He, I honestly don't know that much about Bloomberg. I think he's been um, a tool. Everything that I've been reading on like Twitter and stuff, I'm like, dude, you're you're kind of a tool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, kind of. I mean, he's super rich. <laughs> but uh, as far as the two candidates, I like Budichek. I like Yang. Budichek and Yang are pretty centrist. Like, Budichek is former military. He's a mayor now. Like, he's pretty with it as far as foreign policy. Like, he's 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 gonna. He's standing up a little bit more now to the far left. Like he's not pandering so much. Like he's just—he's a very reasonable person. And Andrew Yang too. Like I, I, we can we can quarrel about UBI. To me, it's probably impractical like to try to implement that much of a of a policy. But I mean, I like the fact that instead of giving the government our money, he's just going to give it back to us. That seems pretty practical. It seems pretty sensible. And then his other policies, like if he never implements universal basic income like he's just like a pretty down the line like sensible like pretty well, likable he's, person he's qualified for political office i liked his podcast a lot that he did with joe rogan i mean like i said literally the only quarrel i have with him is ubi yeah i mean <clears throat> but um I, i'm with you on the fact like even to a degree like i know you're not very in favor of Tulsi Gabbard, but she's done some things like even lately with the whole impeachment thing where she didn't even uh, uh, show up to it because she's like, Hey, the way that the Democrats have approached this is it's just, it's not a bipartisan, like a legit way of approaching an impeachment process. And I, she just like, she criticizes the left and that gave me some respect for even Tulsi Gabbard more so than like Elizabeth Warren, Nancy Pelosi or any of those other folks. So, I mean, yeah, they're just like the, the, Obviously, the Democrats, and I mean, the Republicans, too, but, like, kind of the Democrats show around. They're just so partisan. Like, it's obviously just, they're just trying to score so many points. Mm-hmm. It's just tiresome. And, the, the, yeah, with Tulsi, my biggest thing with her, obviously, is the intervention stuff. Like, she refuses to call Bashar al-Assad a war criminal. Mm-hmm. Like, she went to go tour with him, and then, you know, she's basically just advocating for Bashar al-Assad and just saying that you know we, we, we should work with him which I don't think we should I think he's a war criminal deserves to be tried at the Hague but you know that that's my biggest thing with her is is, is the interventionist thing and she's very very isolationist and and but yeah but I agree I think the 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 most popular Democratic candidates are you have Biden who's the anti-Trump and that's it that's all he offers he's just Vote for me because I'm not Trump. Like that's bullshit. Yeah, that's agree with that. Like, of... yeah, that's not like if it if okay if you have to make that argument, Trump saved me money on my taxes, which is the thing that I fucking care most about, and Trump actually did something with Iran, which is also important to me. And so why why would I vote for Warren or Sanders who are just gonna 
give free college and tax the shit out of me. Like, no. That's fuck up our so I'm curious, <laughs> as we're talking about this, if you guys, if it came down to two people and you became one-issue voters, what would your one-issue be? What would your hot button be that you would vote for one person over another if you had one topic? Taxes and really? taxes and intervention in Syria. Those are my said, two biggest I things. I said one. For me, it's one. <clears throat> economy. Yeah, the economy. What, whatever's Access, gonna make the economy. The, yeah. Whatever's gonna make the economy strongest. So, like, you know, I, I can't stand Warren and Sanders because they would literally fuck up our economy. Yeah, they would like, butcher it. They would butcher it hard, and it would be no, no real way to recover from it for years. Um, and then that's like why I have a huge issue with AOC. I mean, amongst a billion others, but like her green. Sorry, what's deal, AOC? Andrea Casia Cortez. That uh, oh, got it. Yeah, she's like trying to get that Green New Deal or whatever passed, which is just another thing that would destroy the economy. So <clears throat> I don't feel like some of the policies that that they would want to go through would actually make it though. There is so much opposition to those and. Agreed. In the Senate, and yeah, I don't think any of those would necessarily come to light. I think it would be something that they would try really hard for, but I don't think it would actually happen. You know, you but may it, or may it, not be that's right. hard to say because partisans uh, might vote along partisan lines for a lot of those different things. So um, you might be right in the aspect of like, let's say Warren gets elected, I could see you know just to kind of give you know trump uh you know supporters and a lot of the people on the right like a giant middle finger they would essentially if like they controlled the house and the senate i could see them voting down partisan lines right there just to do whatever it is to seem like they're trying to give the right a big old middle finger and that's just that's just i mean you guys are talking about a a, the legislative house right that it doesn't have to be a law to implement the policy like you the president still has a lot of power over what their different departments do, right? So Trump, for example, leads, you know, for example, the energy sector. Like, he, he pretty much did everything that he could to go against, you know, climate change. And, and they're, they're, I think, I don't know if it's a conspiracy or not, but they're pretty much are, are not advocating for climate change, things like that, that, like, you still have a lot of power as the president and the executive chief executive officer to say what kind of policy you're going to implement, you know, and it doesn't have to be essentially a legislative thing. You can still implement your own, how you're going to run the country. Right. And, and that, that's what scares yeah. me about people like Warren and Sanders, that they have such an obvious bias and such an obvious agenda that, you know, they want to get rid of billionaires. They, they have this crazy, like Jameson was saying, Green New Deal. That's, that's going to kill our energy sector. It's going to kill our economic sector. Like, there's a lot of arguments to be made for oil. There's a lot of arguments to be made for, for why we need petroleum. Like, there's a lot of arguments against, you know, renewable energies and, and them to be so ideological and them to just come in and, and not listen to experts. Like, that's scary like that's that's what's troublesome to me is that they're going to come in they're going to implement these very 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 you know radical extreme policies and they're going to leave our economy in an irreparable place and and for me that's that's very pertinent to me because taxes are the thing that i can't fucking stand like 
I pay so much money into taxes, and it's just fucking insufferable. Like, they look at my paycheck, and it's depressing. I'm like, I could be paying a whole other fucking salary. Like, if I could, if I could just have that money back, yeah. like it's, it's fucking insufferable. Like, I how need much roommates. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Seriously. Like, because... I love my roommates. They're great, but I wouldn't need yeah. them. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Like, there's so much money that goes down the drain, and that's one thing and then the other thing is you know the bigger picture of like the policies that these people would implement like it's it's scary and we don't need people that are that ideological in office so kelly same question to you if it came down to one topic or one issue what would yours be mine would probably be foreign policy um i don't want someone to be in office that's going to be 100 percent isolationist but i also i'd hope for someone who had a little bit more um, tact dealing with the rest of the world and um, you know putting our I, I don't know I feel like our reputation as a country has suffered a lot in the last few years so um, I don't know that's why I personally was was hoping Hillary Clinton would be in office I know she was not favorable for many reasons but she she was definitely qualified for the job and she knew what she was dealing with when it came to the rest of the world and foreign policy and um, wouldn't have been a giant embarrassment. But if I had to pick one topic, it would be I would want someone who's competent with foreign policy. You're, 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 you should look into Pete Buttigieg. That sounds like I will. I haven't. Man. That's my other thing is I, I haven't really looked into much detail about the standings of the, the people that could potentially be who's on the ballot next year. So I'd, I'd probably want to do a little more research on it, but kind of going back to what you guys were talking about with, with climate change, like I understand the impact that some of these, you know, the green new deal and everything would have on the economy. I would like to see someone come forward with a reasonable plan for making renewable energy, a bigger part of our economy without making it one against the other. Like we do still need petroleum. We still need oil that's a huge part of jobs, but I would like to see an effort come forth that would include renewable energy in the economy because there are a lot of jobs there too. And I think it's something that we still need to be pursuing despite the fact that it's going to change the economy because it's still important that we start pursuing other natural resources. The thing with, the thing with energy, the thing with energy though is that it's very political, it's very ideological driven. The, the obvious clear winner the the best option that we have right now is nuclear energy like mm -hmm. hands down it, it is the best renewable energy that we have it's and yet amazing. people yeah the, and the, but people and it's obviously political like you, one of the the biggest setbacks that we had was something like three mile Isle, where people were just you know up in arms about the fact that there was this spill and, and we can never recover from that right and and then you had other incidents like chernobyl fukushima yeah, and then fukushima mm -hmm. and and there's no way that we're going to recover right where some things like the bp oil spill they didn't tarnish the reputation of oil the same way that something like chernobyl tarnished the reputation of 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 nuclear energy and and none of these these green new deal candidates nobody on the left is at and not even trump like not even nobody on the right is advocating for nuclear energy trump is advocating coal 
Trump is advocating, you know, natural gas or, or even saying that we are the biggest, you know, producers of oil, which we are now. But and even on the left, right, they're they're advocating wind, you know, geothermal, uh, whatever, you know, light, solar, solar. solar Maybe you know. that's just because I work in solar, but that's a right. big one. But the best the best resource we have is is nuclear energy. That is the future, and nobody's investing in this. And and again, that that it just comes down to that those politics that that partisan nonsense where we have an obvious winner, you know, the best candidate, and we don't pick it because it's so toxic to actually well, bring it, it up. Isn't it true though that we still don't have a solution for nuclear waste? We don't have a solution for where to safely store it. And we talked about this a little bit on one of our podcasts. Um, and I mentioned uh, thorium. And, you know, a lot of people aren't looking at thorium because of the fact that when most people think nuclear, they start thinking petroleum. Uh, plutonium. Plutonium and uranium. And, um, and those do offer essentially a lot of nuclear waste that does have an extensively long half-life of like several hundred or thousands of years when thorium has like a half-life of right around like 10 to 30 and then Mm -hmm. the other thing about it as well is that it's in a much more in abundance than um than like uranium and plutonium as well um the biggest problem is that making reactors for thorium essentially is much more cost costly so that's why a lot of people haven't looked into it, but they are starting to consider it, especially in some European countries as well. Interesting. But it does also, unfortunately, have a lot of the same side effects that you could get with uranium and plutonium with, you know, if things go wrong, you know, radiation, and all yada, yada, yada. But it does have a much, much, you know, more manageable half-life. <clears throat> So I mean, it, there's there's obviously like Jerry said, it's we got a clear winner. It's just it's not a. The right side seems to want to stick with coal, you know, gas. The left is like, no, 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 wind and solar, and that's that's the way to go. Well, you know? I think the thing is like, the people who are wanting to get away from from oil and using our natural resources, they're trying to avoid environmental damage and solar and wind and things like that they don't have the same risks as far as environmental factors that nuclear does so i i can see it to a point like i i agree that we shouldn't be just shying away from that option completely because it's obviously the right choice eventually i don't think we have i don't think we're quite there but i think people are looking at things like solar and wind because the damage the potential damage to the environment is very small as far as I can tell so it's, it seems like a more achievable thing right now like that's maybe like a small step in the right direction and then nuclear would be past that and I don't necessarily completely disagree with you but what I, I do disagree with is like the people like AOC who say that we need to switch our entire power grid over to wind and solar within the next 12 years you know like that's just unfeasible and not manageable at all yeah. I wonder yeah. why she came up or, with 12 years. Because she thinks it's after 12 years. Or criticizing the U.S. as like the worst offender of, of climate change when there are other countries that are 
like clearly at fault like most hello have you met china yeah well china and india like the, their gas emissions are they're off the out of control yeah. yeah and we have actually gotten way cleaner in our emissions we're like at some of the lowest like historical rates like <clears throat> these people are just so hyperbolic about how they speak about climate change that okay you you claim to be an advocate for the environment that's fine but be real about who the actual perpetrators of climate change are it's not the united states like granted we do use a lot of you know oil gas and, and you know petroleum and, and essentially co2 emissions but be mm -hmm. honest about who the actual perpetrators are it's china and india it's not the united states we are some of the the cleanest emissions that you can get and and that's uh, to me that's the biggest problem is that you're not going to be if you're not going to be honest about who the perpetrators are then how am i going to believe you on anything else that you're talking about in regards to climate change yeah and you can look at yeah, the proof is in the pudding you don't see a lot of people walking around the united states having to wear masks and stuff like that because the air that they're breathing is so toxic like you do over in china or india so i mean the proof is right there in the pudding yeah, I mean, you have to, like, I think it'd be much more admirable to go into something like a drive to be on renewable energy because it's it's the right step to take for the climate, not just because, I don't know, it's you don't have to make it a battle between countries. Like, you can just do it because it's the right thing and that it could be, it could also be a good thing for the economy eventually i don't think in a scheme of 12 years that's very realistic but it, it would create different jobs like we'd need to shift jobs over to that industry but why does it have to be a competition between countries like just do it because it's the right thing to do i don't know i'm fully in support of renewable energy but i don't think it's going to be an overnight thing like it's it's starting to make an impact in some states but there are states that still have no no renewable industry well, it, I guess I don't understand your question about why it has to be a competition between countries, but I mean, it, it just has to be economically viable for people to use renewable energy, right? You just, we're not at a point in our society where renewable energy is affordable for people, right? You, <coughs> you need your vehicle to get to work, right? You need vehicles to transport all of your food, right? The reason why you have vegetables is because a truck deliver them and they use gas right mm -hmm. it's just not economically viable to have electric cars or solar powered cars deliver so much of what we rely on right and hasn't, so hasn't tesla come out with a an electric semi yeah but it's not on the market it's not it's not on the road most people are driving kenworth and peterbilt's and, and freight liners like the people are not driving tesla trucks tesla semis to to get your groceries around yeah to get your supplies around like think about it's how not unreasonable many to think that that would eventually be a possibility it's not unreasonable it's it's, it's, a, it's a very admirable and, and hopefully an option that we have here in the future but i mean we have to reach that economic tipping point and, and again it gets back to how hyperbolic politicians are about you know who the actual perpetrators are like our emissions have gone down our technology is is, is 
has greatly increased and been able to bring down our emissions, especially with vehicles. And if, if people are not going to pressure the actual perpetrators of climate change, then you're just you're just talking bullshit. And then especially when people want to implement things like a carbon tax, right? Like if you emit certain amounts of carbon, like that's not going to change anything. And you're just taxing people and, and you're just hurting our economy, right? By imposing these, these superficial taxes that aren't going to do anything. Like the, the actual pressure has, these screws have to be tightened on countries like China and India to actually bring down their emissions if you actually want to make some kind of tangible change in emissions and, and, and you know, the, the amount of CO2 in our environment. But as, as far as your question about why we, we can't move away from petroleum is that we don't have an, an economically viable option to move towards solar-powered vehicles, which I wish we did, but that's not, that's not the reality that we live in right now. I, I agree 100% with what Jerry said and like I said or like I said in another podcast <clears throat> I think the best resource that we have right now too to try to get to where we need to be is just going to be human innovation too and we need to encourage that essentially when it comes to re, you know renewable energy and yeah, technology Yeah I think that would be the right well. step is I think I think just in general I think it's strange that this is a a partisan issue um, yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be. It, shouldn't be. it yeah. should be across the board. It should be encouraged for people to be innovative when it comes to renewable energy. It shouldn't be like if you're on the left, you should be reno for renewable energy. If you're on the right, you're coal all the way. Like, yeah. it shouldn't even be a partisan issue. It's total BS that it's even divided down the line that way. Like, why isn't everyone super jazzed that we can power things with the sun? Like, we should have been here. 50 years ago, like to the point that we're at today, we should be past this by so far, but politics gets in the way. Uh, the fact that it's like, it's it's a state by state kind of deal, like whether you can have rebates for solar and things like that, it's just, it seems so silly to me. It should be something that scientists discovered at some point and that was just the direction that we took things. Like we shouldn't even be in this position right now where we're arguing about it, whether it's a good thing or not, of course it's a good thing to be able to get power from the sun. It's amazing. But I mean, you're also dipping into people's economy, right? If you're gonna, if you're gonna be against our finite resources, if you're gonna be <coughs> against carbon emissions, then you also have to be opposed to coal miners, you also have to be opposed to petroleum workers, you have to be against oil companies. So it does become partisan because you're, you're asking people a lot of people to give up their livelihood in defense of this renewable energy so but there would be jobs jobs would be created in this other industry but the fact that you're creating jobs jobs yeah but you're not you're not creating jobs in the same area you're not creating jobs you know in the same companies like it's not like oh you just lost your coal job well, it was just magically replaced by this solar job in Pennsylvania. That's isn't not the case. The same, isn't this the same argument that comes about <coughs> with the invention of the car? So yeah. people people were that, that were in the business of keeping horses and buggies on the roads and taking care of the equine industry. Of course, the, those jobs had to be sacrificed at the, the, for the sake of innovation and change. Like, things change jobs will be created elsewhere like we're not just going to yeah protect but i mean people it, of workers i agree with you but but i mean 
I agree with you, but I I also understand why it's a partisan issue. It's not like you're you're asking you're essentially getting rid of one person's livelihood, and there a lot of you. It's like this stupid argument that people make: well, just turn miners into coders. Like, no, like that's not going to magically happen. Like people remember that documentary. Yeah, like no, it's not going to happen. Like you're you're messing with people's livelihood. Like people don't just want to up and move. Like the just there's a lot of factors that go into it. So it's not it's not a surprise that it's a partisan issue. It makes sense, but sadly, like you know, sadly some people's jobs have to be sacrificed if we're going to move towards. For yeah, for the sake of, of renewable energies, like just yeah. that's just the reality that we live. In. I just I think it's just inevitable. <coughs> eventually, eventually we won't have coal miners. That's just the an only inevitable. reason we die. Because <laughs> we accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, man! <laughs> you just blew my mind. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, guys, we are uh, pushing. Almost an hour and 50 minutes, uh, probably be a little less after some editing, but I think uh, we've probably hit a good place to kind of wrap your up. racist chant about the Jews? <laughs> what can I say? Mel Gibson's my idol. <laughs> yeah, you might want to edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> also, Canada, we love you. We don't, we don't believe all this. Yeah, you guys gave us letter Kenny, yeah. so I'm super thrilled about that. Plus, and I still have beavers. And <laughs> I've got me a wicked case of the beavers, eh? Oh. <laughs> got the beavers. You should see a doctor. Hey. Eh? Oh, good thing about that universal health care we got here, eh? Get my beavers cleared <laughs> right up, eh? <laughs> they, they also gave us Ryan Reynolds, so they're forgiven. It's true. They gave us Deadpool. <laughs> But, is he Canadian? Oh, also Jim Carrey. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds yeah, is, uh, Canadian. is Canadian. Yeah, Seth Rogen. Yeah, they Jim can Carrey. keep Jim Carrey. Wow, yeah, they can keep Canadian. Jim Carrey. Oh, this yeah. seals the deal. Nathan Fillion is Canadian. Well, that's that seals the Whoa. deal for me. I knew it would for yep. you too, Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but they, like I said, they gave us Letter Kenny, and I love Letter Kenny, so I'm. I'm yeah. Which, if you guys, any of our listeners and or fellow podcast people here have not watched letter kenny you gotta watch it it's it's freaking amazing freaking amazing huh yeah i'm gonna go see them live here in uh, april and i'm super stoked cool so nice well does anybody or i should uh, put it like this kelly jerry do you guys have any final thoughts oh jeffy is that uh, a final okay <laughs> visit greenland go visit canada yeah I'm going to go, go visit our brothers from the Great White North. <laughs> great Greenland sharks and polar bears. Also, if anyone from Greenland feels like calling in and telling yeah, us. Yeah, what do you sound us, like? Yeah, we, we're just, we're mystified. I feel like the internet will probably sound Are you? Us, <laughs> I would love to hear from someone from Greenland. I feel like you're just a rare, a rare person. No, there's only yeah. like 55,000 of them in the entire world. I know. Seven yeah. and a half billion people, so they're pretty rare. And yeah. Tell us about your life, because apparently we'll believe whatever you say, because we know nothing about Greenland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just have some guy calling in, yeah, I'm from Greenland. <laughs> wow, tell us about it. <laughs> I ride a snowmobile to work every day. You guys have I those? Wow. <laughs> I figured you rode reindeers or something. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Santa? Uh, do you know him? I know him. 
<laughs> well, this was very productive, you guys. Yes, yes. Thanks, Greenland. So, appreciate it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this was fun. Mm, it was. Sure was. Again, sometime. All right. Well, yeah. We'll we'll try to get another one out here again shortly. So, hopefully, we don't have a, another month or two break between them. So. Sounds good. Alrighty. Talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Later. Bye. Bye.